All right, we got here Jacob K. Mead, founder and CEO of Mobile Spot, business coach, author, mentor, just an overall beast in business. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Absolutely. It's my pleasure to be here. Absolutely, man. So let's dive right into it, man. Share with us your story. I I have this pitch deck in front of me, not pitch deck, but this media kit, learning a little bit more about your story. Before our listeners, tell us a little bit more about your journey, where you've been and where you're at today. Oh man, it's been a journey, but hey, what good journey doesn't come with a story? So I actually grew up in Burlington, Iowa, which is a small town in Southeast Iowa. And at the time when I was going to high school, this is where my entrepreneur journey began. I was going to high school. I wasn't really much of that person to hang around big crowds or go out and party. And so it kind of got made fun a lot for that. But in the t my time, I would actually spend learning how to develop websites. And I would spend hours upon hours. And back then, it was just HTML. And I would be learning HTML, a little bit of CSS. And I'd be learning how to put these websites together. And eventually, I got to the point where I, I put my own website together. And it was a really, looking back on it, it was a really poorly put together website with all the experience I know now. But at that time, I felt so confident. I'm like, oh, look at this. I got this. This is awesome. So then I looked around my community and I said, you know, there's a gap here. There's, there's some, there's availability for people that need websites. And so I went out and I actually found people that need websites and sold them on a website, walk into their business and sold them on a website for only $500. <laughs> so $500, I, I'm in high school, which was a lot of money to me at that time. And I got them website up and running and took all this time. And from there, my journey just continued to grow there. And then I moved up to Des Moines, Iowa, and I worked for a couple different wireless carriers at the time. And then I started my own business and I went out on my own, scariest thing I ever did, but I went ahead and I did it anyways, because I knew that there was something there and I wanted to be able to help people. That's my personality is I just like to help people. So I went out on my own and then I was able to grow my business mobile spot from $0 in revenue to a million dollars in annual revenue in 36 months. Okay. So let's talk about that journey. So 36 months, pretty quick turnaround. Like what, what did it look like when you first started? What's the value proposition of mobile spot? And then what were the next steps that you took to get to a million in revenue? Yeah. So I would say the first thing I did and I, and I made a mistake year one is I focused all on just me being there and, and being there to actually be in the store working side by side with my employees. And I say that was a mistake because I didn't have the mindset of working on my business versus working in my business. And so it kind of held me back the first year. I mean, you're still doing really great in sales, but it kind of held me back a little bit in the first year. It wasn't until year two, I realized, Hey, in order for me to grow, I, I need to definitely step aside and I need to work on my business versus working in it. And what does that look like? And so I, I sat down and I made a plan. Okay. I need to be focusing on, on our conversions. I need to be focusing on our sales structure, our processes, our systems. And that was also another mistake because I, I didn't focus a lot on our, my systems when I first started or my processes when I first started. So we, we, we had the sales coming in, we had the customers coming in, but we didn't have a good streamlined process. And so once I figured out that streamlined process, and I figured out, okay, what platforms do I want to use? What management systems do I want to use? And once I figured all of that out, then I can go back and I kind of looked at small little areas where we can make additional revenue or additional profits. I think that was the that was the turning point right there. So year two, once I could see, okay, we can make a little extra here. We could uh, revamp this. We could tune, tune this. Once I could see all of that and I did those changes, that's when we really started to see growth going into year three. I love it, man. Uh, that's incredible. So now, sorry, sorry about that. I had, I had myself on mute. So that, that's incredible. We're in year three. What year are we in right now? So this would be year nine. 
nine years. You're nine. Okay. Okay. And if you don't mind me asking, where's the business at now? So, you know, 36 months got to seven figures. Where's the business at now revenue? So really, I mean, now we've gone down a little bit since we peaked just with COVID and revamps and competition. So right now we're roughly about 850 to uh, 950, just depends on, on the year. But we're, we're right there. We're, we're kind of at a, a peak at a standstill, especially in, in our industry. So now it's just looking at, okay, what's next? Where can we go from here? How can we continue to grow? And what do we need to do differently in our industry so that that can happen? Awesome. Awesome. And I saw that like the, the glaring point for me was I saw that you're able to do all this with 20 hours a week of work, right? Which is incredible because it, it means that you did your job really well of replacing yourself. So what does your day-to-day look like now? And what is the path to continue scaling? Yeah. So my day-to-day now, it's I first of all, I'll plan out my week on a, on a Sunday as I'll, I'll sit down, I'll plan out, okay, I have this, this, that, and I'll look at my calendar, kind of see what I have availability. And then I actually like to do a step called looking at, at, at your calendar and taking out anything that's not, that's not valuable or especially with your time. So there's a lot of things that suck your time that don't really add any value. And since I'm all about uh, time and I have a podcast uh, that talks all about the time, I like to make sure I'm looking at my calendar and doing things that provide value. And that's not necessarily a monetary value. It's it's something that actually has value. So whether it's you know spending time with family or building other business adventures or whatever, whatever adds value. So as long as it's adding value, I keep it in my calendar. If it's not adding value, I look at seeing if I can move it to maybe an off day or something that it, it, you know I don't have a lot going on that week. So I do that on Sundays and then I typically will wake up in the morning and I'll accomplish everything that's on my list. And then once I get everything done on my list, I'll go back and I'll say, okay, what are some little things that I can get accomplished? And so I'll accomplish those little tasks. And then it's all focused around basically helping my team build the company without me necessarily having to be there and and do the daily operation. So I'll still pick up my phone and I'll, I'll answer any questions they might have. But a lot of times that conversation will be, hey, I trust you, or I know you can figure this out. And I do that not not because I don't want to help, because I love helping, but because I want to empower my employees. I want to be able to give them this the idea that, hey, they can do this on their own. And it makes them feel good too. It makes them feel more involved in the business. And so that's what I do is, is I, I give them the power to be able to make those decisions. So for, for Mobile Spot, you, you were in that space before, like you were in that cellular industry before you started Mobile Spot. Talk about that like transition. You saw a gap in the marketplace. You saw an opportunity. I imagine there was a point where you took a leap. So talk to us about that transition. Talk to us about that leap. And then for our listeners that either haven't pulled their phone out and Googled Mobile Spot yet or, or anything like that, like explain exactly what, what it has flourished to become today as a business and what consumers are, are using it for. Yeah, so I'll go ahead and start there, kind of what we are. So Mobile Spot is a full service electronics and cellular repair center. And we also sell uh, devices as well. And so we do everything from computers, laptops, servers. We have business contracts, government contracts, local government contracts, but we service anything electronic device wise. And so we're even branching out and doing some like small home appliance repairs. So really anything with a power button, we can fix. And it doesn't, doesn't matter what it is. Gaming systems, we can pretty much do it all. Our techs here are wonderful. They have, they have Microsoft experience. And so a lot of it's all done in-house. It's quick turnaround time. And, you know, we're, we're an Apple independent repair center. We're Samsung certified. So we, we, we have all the certifications and that's really what we've, we focus on is really helping our customers and getting electronics repaired. And so that's a little background there, but how did I get there? 
so that is that's that's actually a story and it's a story i'll never forget because it's 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 one of those that scared me the most out of everything i've done because i was actually working for sprint when they were a carrier at the time i know they're t-mobile now but sprint when they were a carrier at the time and i was their lead technician and you know at the time i was well, I was 21 years of age and I was actually making some pretty good money and I was doing really good. I was one of their top salespeople while being a tech. I was one of their top salespeople. And then I was one of their top techs. I had great scores. Everything was going great for me. But what was hindering me is that at the time we would have customers that would come in and they would want me to look at their device or fix it. And they knew I was the guy to go to. They said, hey, Jacob Kenny, it's the guy you want to go see. And so they would come in and I wouldn't be able to help them. I wouldn't be able to help them at all because they had a different carrier. And so I would tell them, Hey, I wish I could do something, but I can't. And I was doing that time after time and over and over. And I'm the guy that likes to help someone. And so that was kind of, in a way it was hurting me. I said, I don't like this. I don't like the feeling that I'm not able to help this person. I need to do something about it. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to open up this store. Well, I was naive. I had no idea what it took. I thought, hey, this is going to be a straightforward and and there's not going to be any any roadblocks. Well, that was naive thinking, but I'm 21 years of age. So I went ahead and it was actually January 1st. I quit my job January 1st and uh, it was 2015. I quit my job and went f- went full time into this business. I, I know I cut cut all back roads. It was straight in, make it, you're going to do this. And that's where it started. So I jumped all in and I built out the store. And from there, we just continued to improve and figure out ways that we can better serve our community. So talk about that initial. So talk about the initial struggle a little bit that you went through. Was there ever a point where you were like, maybe this isn't going to work out? Maybe I'm not going to make it. Oh, every day for years. And still, even to this day, I think every entrepreneur goes to that roller coaster of emotions like, hey, you're up here. I, I got this. You know, everything's going great. And then you have one slow sales day or you don't see any customers. And it's like, man, what if I don't have this? What if I fail? And so I actually did a video on this a while back because it was, it, it still resonates with me today. Cause I remember when I first opened up, it was, we were like maybe week one, week two in. And I was there every single day. I was constantly there. And for three days straight, I was there 10 hours each day. For three days straight, I seen zero customers. Not a single body came through that door. And at that point, that's when I felt defeated. I said, what if I can't do this? What if I fail? What if I was wrong? And that was that was a turning point because I said, you know, I'm not wrong. I'm right. We're building groundwork. This is taking the longest amount of time. That's the hardest part is building groundwork and getting started. I'm going to keep going because I will never give up. And that's that was my mindset. I would never give up on anything. I didn't. I don't like to fail. I, I want to be able to succeed at what I do. And I didn't give up. But that was hard. That was really hard. And it was yeah. it was hard to keep going, especially when I was seeing red. And I seen red a lot in my bank account. And you, you know, it's it comes and goes. But when you're seeing red in that account and you're thinking, man, what can I do? I think it was easier at the time now because I didn't have a family back then. So it was just me and my fiance at the time. You know, if I had kids, I can only imagine how much harder it would be to take that leap. But I think that's the hardest part is you start to doubt yourself, especially if you have a slow sales day or if you don't see those customers right away, you start to think, what if I don't have this? And overcoming that's the biggest hurdle. You have to overcome it. 
No, without a question, without a question. So how have you gone about building your team out? How have you gone about growth and, you know, figuring out the, you know, who's the good fit for you, your, your culture, the needs of your business has, uh, I, you know, what does your team, what did your team look like back when you first started and how has it evolved to, to today? Building that team, I, I, it was one of the hardest things that I did and still is one of the hardest things because just when you think you have that perfect team, something comes up. But you, as, as long as you know how to rebuild that team, you can always get back to where you are. So let's talk a little bit about where I first started. When, when I first started, it was just me. And then I, I realized real fast that I need to bring someone on to and they need to work side by side with me. And so that's what I did. I brought them on work side by side with me. And again, I, you know, I talked a little bit about my mistakes there is I didn't have a really good stru uh, structure in place. I didn't have operations in place. And, and that, that kind of made it where it was slower to scale because once we started growing so fast, we didn't, we had to go back and reevaluate and put all those operation places. But when I first had this team, I was kind of always there and constantly working side by side with them. I would take over on anything that was more advanced. And then I had to learn to let go. I relinquish control. It's actually one of the steps in the buy time process is relinquishing control. And it's harder than most people think because you want everything to be perfect because this business is like your baby. It's something you started. So you want it all to be perfect. And so I had to say, hey, if if that person can do it, even 80% as good as what I can do it, I'm going to let them do it. And that's what I did is, is I would let them do it. And I let them actually um, handle the situation all on their own. And part of me felt guilty. It was hard to overcome that guilt because part of me felt guilty because I thought maybe I wasn't giving the customer the best service because I knew I could do it better or I could do it faster. But I had to overcome that guilt and say, listen, no one learns by not doing. You got to learn by hands on, by doing things. And so that's what they did. And then I would I, I brought in more people and eventually built out, you know, lead technicians, store manager operations and built out all of that. But the biggest thing I learned and this happened probably year, would it be was seven, year seven in, is you may have this team, but inside the team, if there is a toxic person, there's one toxic person, they can bring that entire team down. And even if that toxic person is doing a killer job and they're always doing what they're supposed to do, but they're being toxic in the, in the work environment and they're spreading that toxicness. It's going to bring your entire team down. And I think that was my biggest mistake because I had somebody that was really good at what he did. I mean, he was amazing at what he did, but he was always toxic in the environment. And he really brought the team down instead of uplifting them. And I think my biggest mistake there was not realizing that sooner. But ever since then, I always keep an eye out for that is I keep an eye out for, okay, how is the team doing? And if I start to notice something, I start to, to look at, okay, where is this coming from? Is this new? Is there a team member that's going through some struggles? And I'm a little bit different of a business owner. I like to really get to know my employees. So I get kind of personal with them because I, I feel like your personal life matters just as much as your work life. Because a lot of times, as much as we say to leave your personal life at work and your work life at work, it doesn't work that way. They kind of um, cohere together. And so I like to make sure that I can help them in their personal life where I can. So if they're having a hard time, I say, hey, let's talk about it. Maybe I can give you some ideas. If you just need someone to talk to, I'll just listen. So I like to mentor my employees at the same time. And, and that has created a long lasting relationship with a lot of my guys. And they've been here for quite a long time. 
I, I love everything you just said right there, man. This strikes a chord big time because personally, Landon and I, we, we, we struggle of letting go a lot too. And I think it's, it's a struggle that a lot of entrepreneurs face as well. But I really love everything you said, given the fact that a lot of people think growth is sexy and growth is just like linear and clean. And when you're scaling a business and buying back your time, it's, it sounds great because we see the little bites on Instagram and TikTok, but we're an entrepreneur, uh, we're an entrepreneurship for people right? We're employing people and people are, they're not predictable at all the time, right? And so it, it comes to this transition of like, you're providing a service, but now you become a leader if you want to help buy your time back and, and scale a business through other people. And so everything that you just said there strikes a chord. And I, I hope everyone listens to that again, because of the fact that it's a lot of trial and error to get the right team and rooting out a cancer, no matter how good they are, is so important for the longevity of the business. So I appreciate you saying that, man. My question is, what's next? So what? And go ahead. So really, what's next for me? So I've really branched out into taking my passion, which it took me a while to figure out what what I wanted to do. Like, what was next? Where did I want to go? And and I had to sit down with my wife, and she's like, "You love helping people." And I said, "That's exactly what I do. I love helping people." She goes, "So show other people how they can get their time back." Because I was able to step aside from my business for two years. When I say step aside, I didn't step foot in my business for two years, and it ran on its own because I had the system and operations in place for it to be able to do that. And I see so many businesses out there where the business owner is working 60 to 70 hours a week and you ask them, Hey, can you take a week off to go do this? They can't do it. They can't take a week off. Or if you tell them, Hey, I want you to take a a week off. I want you to shut your phone off and not answer anything. They they feel like their business is going to burn to the ground. And surprisingly or not, it's not going to happen. Your business will still be there when you come back, but it's all about understanding how to get to that point. And so I've taken my passion of not only building a business and scaling it in 36 months to where I wanted it, but to giving me the freedom of time back to giving me the opportunity to work on other business adventures or giving me the most important thing that I love is time with my family. So I can wake up and if I choose that, I want to spend that day with my family, I can spend that day with my family and I don't have to feel guilty about it, which is a whole other thing is, is when you get to that point is learning how not to feel guilty about it because you may look back and go, well, I should be there or I should be at the store doing this. I should be doing that. That's a bunch of shoulds, which is a negative way of thinking. You've done a lot to get to the point where you're at. So make sure to take advantage of it. But that's what I I coach on now is I, I coach on getting business owners to the point where they're comfortable stepping away, knowing their business is going to run, but not just run, but it's going to continue to scale without them being there. And so I am super passionate about coaching and consulting. I, it's like something I love. It's, I just love seeing it. And then hearing feedback from people that's like, Hey, I didn't even think about that. Or, wow, I can't believe I was able to make that much more in revenue by just implementing one of your ideas that right there, that it's so great to hear. It's so rewarding. And that's what I really love as I love helping people. Where do you see artificial intelligence, you know, playing a role in your space? And and are you, are you implementing any AI like chat GBT tools or anything like that? And, And where do you see that kind of, role? Where do you see it playing in just business in general? And then how does that connect to your business? I love that question because AI is so powerful. I think it's so powerful. It can be a tool, but it can also be an enemy at the same time. And I, I, in my opinion, 
uh, we're going to get to a point with AI where everything is pretty much AI based that we take a lot of the human factor out of it. So we're going to go back to people looking for that human factor, looking for that human touch. And I think we're going to see a lot of that in customer service, right? We're going to see a lot of things being almost scripted and everything so perfect and that, th that there's no human touch or human tone to things. And even if it is, you, you'll be able to detect, hey, this is an AI, this isn't a person, you know, discussing with me. And we're going we're going to actually see an uptick in people like companies needing people that have that customer service skills that have those mindsets that can help out a customer. And they're going to truly need those. I, I believe in, you know, five, 10 years, we'll, we'll see it, it basically almost starting to reverse where, Hey, we have AI, it's going to come out so quickly and things are going to be great. Everything's going to sound so scripted, so perfect. And, but people are going to start realizing it. Where have we used AI? I mean, we use AI for our instant quote widgets to be able to get people instant quotes instantly for customer service oriented things. I'll use AI sometimes in my podcast if I'm running low on on ideas or being be, coming up with a list of things to be able to ask a, a guest that's on my podcast. So I use AI in that aspect of our business, but I try to keep AI out of the customer service side because what I don't want to do is make things sound scripted because we are all about customer service and building that good reputation with our customer that I want them to know that they're talking to an actual person and not just some sort of computer out there. But AI is so powerful. I mean, it's it's crazy where it's going and it's moving so fast. I think I think it's almost hard for all of us entrepreneurs to keep up with it. Totally is, totally is. So uncorrelated question to that for the most part. We asked this question on every podcast, all our guests, what does consistency mean to you, right? Because this is the Consistency Wins podcast, right? So what does consistency mean to you and how does that show up in your life, whether it's business, personal, or both? I'll go over both because it means everything to me. So consistency is showing up even when you don't feel like showing up, but not just showing up when you don't feel like it, but showing up when you don't feel liking it and doing double the amount of work, because that's what I do. So in my personal life, there'll be times when I wake up in the morning, it's 530, my alarm goes off and I, I sit up and go, I don't want to go to the gym today. And then the other side of my head says, do it anyways. And so I get up, drive to the gym, get to the gym. And then I remember what I said. I go, I remembered I said I didn't want to do this. And then so my other side of my brain says, make it a double work day. Like you're doubling everything you're doing because you said you didn't want to do this. And so I go in there and I double my workout. And that's what I do in my personal life. And some may call me crazy for that, especially when I have two kids and, and it's, it can be tiring some days, but I will always do that because consistency does matter. It, it does win and you will see the results when you stay consistent in what you're doing. And so I don't give into those excuses. I don't give into that negative thinking when it comes to the, my personal side of my, my life. I will get whatever I said I'm going to do done. And if I had some sort of excuse to start off the day with, I will double it just as a way to say like, listen, you can do this and to prove to myself I can do it. Now yeah. in my business, it goes back to those, almost those times when I, when I was there three days in a row, right? When there was no customers, why was I there? Someone else might've said, I'll just put a closed sign up on the door. And I see this by the way, with small businesses where they just put a little closed sign up on the door. They leave early that day because it was a slow day. I was there the entire day, every single minute I was there because it pays off to be consistent. I was consistent with showing up. I was consistent with our customers. I was consistent with how we did our service, how we provided our products to our customer. Every single day when I did that, I didn't see the results right away. I didn't, but eventually with consistency, I did. So that's why it's so important. Keep doing what you're doing and eventually you'll see the results. And the reason why we asked this question 
Great answer, by the way. And the reason why we ask this question on every single podcast, and it, it sometimes it feels redundant when people are listening to this, but this is something that has to be driven home every single day because this really is where the results come from. It's not the extraordinary things that you do. It's the ordinary things that you do every single day, the monotony, the non-beautiful stuff that gets done every day that creates the extraordinary results. So thank you so much for sharing that, man. It's, it's, I think the, the, the foundation of like doubling down when you don't feel like doing it, showing up times two when you really don't feel like doing it, it builds that muscle so much more. So at, when things do get hard, now it's just easy. Oh, 100%. One last question. I I will push myself to that breaking point. And I've even shared this story. I will push myself so much to that breaking point where I will go out and I will scream over on the cliff on the top of my lungs that I can't do this. And then I'll turn around and I will go prove myself wrong. And that's what I do is consistency has gotten me to that point. That's awesome, man. One last question that's irrelevant from this side of things. Maybe it's not. I read somewhere that somebody told you to eat a dead rat. That was it. That was somewhere. And you had asked to first ask the question. So share with us that story. I'm definitely curious. You know, that's a, that's a, that could go in the days on that, but that's actually what really started my, it really started a good personal journey for me. And it's something that despite this person's behavior, I will actually thank them for because it taught me a lot on how to respond to people. And it taught me a lot of how to think about myself and how to look at other people. So that goes into me kind of being a web developer and, and, and really doing a lot of websites and development there. So I had taken on a client that needed some web development work done and it was a two-year project and we were working on it left and right. And at the time I didn't know this, but they were toe dipping, which means that they were, weren't fully committed to the project. They kind of wanted to test the waters and see how it was. But I didn't know that at the time, okay? So I learned that. That's a huge lesson. And we are always getting lessons when we're in business. And so I was doing this project and they would say, yeah, this is great. We love it. This is awesome. This is just what we want. And then two weeks later, they would say, hey, um, just kidding. We need, to, we need to undo what we just did and go to this route. And then a week later, it'd be back to the same thing. Well, now we want this done. And then we want it undone. And then now we have this person that you're reporting to. And then it would constantly change. So I went through like six different people that I'm reporting to, to figure out how this project is supposed to be built out. And so I did this for two years straight. And in all in the meantime, the bills are backlogged. They're, they're not pay- making their payments there. And I, I've already paid my developers. I had three other, three other developers working on this project with me. So I'm $20,000 in credit card debt on this thing. And so I'm working on this project where we're nailing it out and we're trying to do everything we can for the client. Mistakes were made on my end. I will admit that I should have renegotiated the contract. I should have explained to them uh, a lot more. I was learning. So I will not say that I was innocent in this because I should have done a lot of this. But with all that being done, there was a phone call that took place. And so the CEO called me up and he said that we're losing $50,000 a sale because your program's not working. And I said, what? No. Okay, what's not working on it? Okay, he said X, Y, Z. I said, okay, no one told me that you guys were launching this right away. Like that feature wasn't even tested, and then he just went off on a handle, blew up. I mean, so so much so where he he said that he was going to leave me with nothing but dead rats to eat. And at that point, I could have done one of two things. I could have argued. I could have fought back. I could have said it's not my fault. And could have placed blame. But instead I said, Hey, we don't need to talk to each other like that. We can keep it professionally. And I see that that's not where this is going. So I'm going to hang up. And so I hung up and 
I left it at that. Well, lawsuit later they they tried, never ended up, ended up panning out, and it's all all taken care of now. But I look back on that and I think to myself, what could have I done differently? That's that's what I do. Is I look at what I could have done differently, and what I could have done differently was put the systems and processes in place, negotiated, renegotiated contracts. I could have all, lived, all done all, all that differently. But what did I do right? Is I didn't engage. I didn't engage when I was approached and told that I was going to be left with nothing but dead rats to eat. But I kept it in a professional, and I and I, I commend myself for that because I don't think very many people could do that. They couldn't hold back or resist the urge to say something when someone comes at you and attacks you like that. So it's a story that I will always remember. And I don't think he knows this to this day because we're not on speaking terms. But it's it's one of those things where hearing it didn't hurt me. It actually empowered me. It made me want to actually go out and show people like how to handle these situations and how to go about it and recognize, recognize my own mistakes. So it was, it's definitely something I'll always remember. That's an awesome perspective, man. How, How can our listeners follow you? How can they follow your journey? How can they support? So I'm on all the socials at Jacob K Mead. You can follow me. I have content on there and then I'm available on any, any social media site that you can think of. Awesome. Jacob, thank you so much for coming on, man. It's been an absolute pleasure and we're excited to follow your journey, man. Absolutely. Thank you so much, guys.